0: You know, uh, it's kind of, it's funny because we try to make the announcements kind of quick so we don't, because everything you do late pushes things later, and John apologized when he was going down. And I thought, no, I think that one was of the Lord, you know, because uh, he was asking for prayer requests, you know, and my message is on prayer. And he didn't know that, so I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know. Where's Johnny? Oh, it won't be on prayer next week, though, bro, but no, that's good. <laughs> <It's easy. laughs> uh, no, that was good. I thought, wow, that's of the Lord, man because that's what my message is on. So I said, wow. Uh, and it, you know, we've been back, we been back to Revelation, and we've done a couple of end time messages, and we'll continue to do that as well. But every once in a while, there's a devotional thing on my heart that I want to do. And uh, so we can know the Lord better. Amen. So I want to encourage you too, because it, John had mentioned it, but I want to put extra stress on it. Because after COVID, COVID kind of, there wasn't we still tried to get together in fellowship and so forth as much as we could, and praise God that was still going on, to, you know, in the parking lot, in my backyard, you know, things of that nature, and, and sometimes uh, over live stream when it got really bad and they were, you know, tried to shut us all down, but we were able to resume pretty quickly, uh, and they didn't hassle us, so praise God for that. But we, uh, did, we were careful with regard to the children and so forth, you know, and careful as far as, you know, older folks and had a lot of warnings, but we're also making sure we didn't disobeyed the scripture. We still got together and fellowship. But uh, because of COVID, it kind of threw our children's program in disarray, you know. And Star has done like, I mean, she's just, you know, has been golden in what she's been doing. And, and now we've made a transition. And uh, because of COVID, just we weren't doing it again. And now we're doing it again. And now we need uh, help because we've got to resume. And if it was just one or two people, we usually have no problem filling the slots because this is a very active fellowship. We say there's a need, boom, people step up. Well, people, you need to consider stepping up now, especially if you have kids, because uh, Mary said we need like 20 spots filled. And the reason we have so many spots to fill is we, don't, we like it to be the rotation. You ever get stuck with all the dishes after a big party, after Thanksgiving, and you're doing all the dishes? I don't know even what that's like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding i do dishes quite often you can ask my wife i do them pretty much every day you know if i if i make 30 things i try to wash them to lighten the load so and sometimes i do other people's dishes you know not enough but i, I i'll do the dishes at times to take the load off her but it's really awesome when there's several pe- there's a number of people doing dishes together and there's a lot of dishes amen so if you pitch in it's not as much work because we have such a good amount of rotation so i really want to encourage you in that regard is to uh is to say, you know what, just, I'll be doing it once, and you get to, so don't think about yourself, think about the, the kids, amen, they are gonna be impacting their lives for Jesus, amen, and if you do it with the right heart, you'll be rewarded, and you'll be blessed in the end, think of the children, and think of the Lord's glory, and pray about that, if that may, might be his will for you, amen, it's, it's a joy, you know, I just spent the whole weekend with my, four of my grandchildren, really uh, five, because little Russ came over uh, yesterday as well, And it's a joy, you know, to sow into their lives. So the name of this message is When God Doesn't Answer Prayers. I remember years ago, I did a message on unanswered prayer. I probably did two in the last 30 plus years. I've done many messages on prayer, but I've done a couple on unanswered prayer, one or two, one I know for sure. And I didn't go look at my old notes because I wanted this to be fresh and uh, bring some scriptures to your attention because it is a privilege, what a privilege it is to bring everything to the Lord in prayer. So such a, that's such a beautiful lyric and such a beautiful song. But what uh, peace we often forfeit, amen? You know, what power we often forfeit when we fail to overcome the trials and sin that presents itself in temptation in our lives because we fail to pray. Jesus says, you know, pray that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, amen? And when he told us, to the, when he gave us the Lord's Prayer, he literally told us, how to pray. And he said, part of that prayer is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So we would have much more victory over sin and we won't have any victory over sin really if we're not praying. I mean, it'll be very minimal, I should say. We'd be crying out to the Lord and seeking him uh, because sin is what throws you away from and off of and contrary to God's will where his will isn't being realized in your life. And actually the opposite is taking place, that which is contrary to his will and that which is destructive toward his, against his glory, that which is destructive to other people, that which is destructive to your own well-being. He loves you. He cares so much about you. He made you in his image. He wants you to know him and he wants you to communicate with him. He made us in his image, you know. And I communicate with my children, my grandchildren, my brothers and, chil- my brothers and sisters in the faith, you know, John refers to them as children in the faith. We communicate because we love each other. Well, God's given us a model between a parent and their children in regard to his own heart in wanting to love us and pour out his love and meet our needs. In fact, Jesus, it's analogous throughout scripture at times, a parent's relationship with their children to God in prayer, because the Lord wants us to get our brain around it, that God's not some old dude that's about ready to fall over and creaky that is barely getting through some paperwork. Man, he's omniscient, man. He's all-knowing, amen? He's all-powerful, uh, and he's, he's omnibenevolent. He's all-loving. He cares about us. And, uh, you know, the first principle of prayer that I think is important is, you know, understanding God's character and his nature, and that he's not only omnibenevolent, but he's omniscient and omnipotent, who he is. But also understanding that if you don't pray, uh, a lot of your needs aren't going to get met because we read in James chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you're not what? because you do not ask, or you have not, because you ask, ask not. So if we fail to ask, we're in huge trouble. And and it's not just a glib little prayer here and there, you know. Uh, I hate little prayers like, God is neat, let's eat, you know. It's just like, so trite. I've heard that prayer before, okay. And uh, it's just, ah, Lord, no, we could do better than that, you know. Not God's neat, let's eat. Yeah, God is neat. He's more than neat, though, you know? He's incredibly awesome. So it's, a, it's not, you know, he's perfectly neat. He's immaculate, right? But uh, he wants to hear us talk to him, you know? How, how about if your kid walks in and says, you know, after mom makes a huge, th- go back to Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving dinner, and the kid says, you're neat, let's eat. And that's all they, the kid says to it, the whole meal and then leaves. That'd be kind of like, honor us you know that'd be kind of like you know sad he wants us to talk to him and wow it is a privilege you know i mean if you could tell me right now you can give me two buttons and one means you know i hit this button and i could talk to joe biden you know or i could hit this button over here and i, and I don't have to hit a button because we already can but i could talk to the lord i'm not even to think about it now, if you have a button where I could talk to Biden for an hour and give him peace of my mind and then talk to the Lord all the time, I'd hit that button, okay? <laughs> but uh, talk to him about babies being killed in the womb and, and certain rights that are being, you know, on the verge of being just trampled underfoot. Uh, but, wow, what an opportunity. You know how many people would line up the White House if so they could spend an hour talking to the president about the needs of the country? It'd be hundreds of miles long. Yet we can talk to one that's far more powerful, that's creator of the universe, who actually is way more involved than Biden is, way more involved than Biden is, in the affairs of this world and what's going on, and is way more interested in our lives, and we need to seek him out. So I I thought it's interesting because I love scriptures that tell us what not to do almost as much as I do with the scriptures that tell us what to do, you know? I love the thou shalt and the thou shalt not, thou shalt not, because they're very clear because he tells us that he gives us warnings for our protection to guard his relationship with us, that we might know the fullness of joy that he offers to us. And then we walk in that. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and that you might have it more what? More abundantly. So I think it's uh, important. One of the main reasons we fail to have answered prayer at times is, well, go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. 1 John 5, 13, we're using the New American Standard Bible. Other translations say basically the same thing. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. I love that. It's one of my, I don't know if I ever tried to memorize it, but that's one of my verses I've memorized. I love that verse. He wants us to know that we have eternal life. And then he says in verse 14, this is the confidence which we have before him. In other words, you can have confidence before God. That is, if we ask anything according to his what? His will, he what? He hears. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. It's amazing to know that We could come to him confidently, the book of Hebrews says, to enter boldly or confidently into the throne room of grace uh, in time of need. It's a throne room of grace. It's no longer for us Christians, those of us who've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, those of us who are in Christ, it's no longer a throne room of grace because we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, we've been forgiven. Amen? So we could have confidence we go go before him. And look at verse 12, back up to the verse I could have started there. He who has the son has the what? Life. He He who does not have the son does not have the life. If you have Jesus, you have the life of God living in you. You have eternal life. These things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. The next verse. And then after that, two verses that have to do with praying according to God's will. And then when you pray according to God's will, you can have confidence that he hears you and will answer your request. The key, though, is praying according to God's will. That's what most Christians, most professing Christians, do not do. Not some. Most professing Christians are not praying according to God's will and are not getting answered prayer because they don't even start with God in their prayer. Most people, even professing Christians oftentimes, when they pray, they think of who first? Themselves. And whose will are they thinking of typically? Their own. Don't we all struggle with that sometimes? We just pray a prayer because it's something that we want to happen, but we don't consider God's will always. Even those who are mature believers can fall into that trap. Because especially, I mean, I try to pray because the scriptures command it and I want to do it. I continue to consider it a privilege because I, wanna, I just like to abide in God's presence. I like to know that I'm walking with him throughout the day. Walk, if, when we walk in the light, if we walk in the light, it he's in the light. We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses from all sin. So I want to constantly walk in the light, constantly seek him in prayer. And I try to cry out throughout the day. I'm several times a day by the grace of God, lifting my hands to him, seeking him, crying out to him. When I'm driving, Sometimes I even drive with an elbow, you know, you know, Uh, but I literally try to do that. But guess what? Since I'm praying and praying and praying, I have to make sure that I'm not saying, is this something that I just think would be good? Is this really God's will? You know, I have to check myself and say, what are you doing here? And sometimes I don't know, you know, but I'm praying to the best of my knowledge of what his will is at the same time, knowing that I've got to be careful. And sometimes we don't get answers because we're not in his will or, and I'm telling you right now. Millions of people in churches today as I talk, I'm telling you, right now, aren't living for God's will. They go to church on a Sunday morning. Hopefully that's not you. And then throughout the rest of the week, they just do their own thing. They think they're just like putting in their time. It's like fire insurance or something. Oh, I got to pay my fire insurance to go to church on Sunday. They don't think God's will at all. And then they wonder why when they do pray, they're not getting answers often. And it's because they're not seeking God's will. See, God is doing radical things in this world. He's radically engaged with this world. And he's about winning souls. The gospel's got out. And you know what? He's not just waiting around for just anything. When the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, is preaching all the world as a witness to all the nations, right? Then the end comes. So what's he waiting for? The gospel, us to get done with that job, right? So what's a lot of his focus on? On getting that job done. So, you know, when you really radically, wonderfully see God's answer prayer is when you're involved in missions, when you're involved in serving the Lord and making sure and you have a heart for people's souls and you want to see them one to Christ and that you make that your business rather than your own little empire on earth. And you say, no, it's not about me. It's about you. I'm taking up my cross. I'm denying myself as Jesus commanded. I'm following him daily. It's about him. And when you do that, guess what you see? I know the more I am given over to the will of the Lord in my life and seeing people saved and seeing those who are saved strengthened in the faith, and I'm crying out to him in that regard, that's when I see often the supernatural hand of God show up in my life whether it's through dreams speaking to my heart, whether it's through convictions, whether it's through providence and the people showing up at the right time and so forth for the right things to get done, I just trip out. You know, I, can, I could never deny the Lord. I, I could. We can't could deny him. I'm saying, not in my own strength, I could deny him in a second because we're all... Failures without Jesus, amen. But I mean, because of the evidence he's given me, if I did, it's because I'd be rejecting all the light that he's shown me, not only in his word, but also in his providence, and also by the power of his spirit in my life, because he's shown up so many times. But I'll tell you right now, if I'm in a time where I'm just on a treadmill, going through the motions, because I'm putting out this fire, doing that, and I'm not seeking his prayer in prayer as much, then I'm not seeing his hand as much. You see what I'm saying? So it's important to seek his hand, and it's important that you're saying, wait a minute, man, I don't exist for myself. Like Paul says, no longer I live that live, but it's Christ. Amen? Right? And and the life they now live in the flesh. He says he lives by faith in the Son of God. Amen? I'm crucified with Christ. And this is true Christianity, you guys. And a lot of people aren't getting answered prayer because they don't even start with God's will. Our our Father who art in heaven, right? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy what? Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when you're praying for that, that prayer, you're praying for a second coming. Amen? We have an awesome God, and we need to be crying out to him, but we need to be crying out to him in accordance with his will. Do you want to see God show up in your life? Do you want to see his miraculous hand revealed to where you have power to, to, to live according to his will? And well, get your heart wrapped around his will in Christ Jesus, which is to glorify God in your life, right? Whether it's to song, whether it's through giving him praise, whether it's through how you treat one another, whether it's through living a righteous life, all that's part of it, but also that's how you make him known, amen, and praise the Lord, good to see you, Javin, and your buddy, good to see both of you guys, man, I didn't even know that was you, I saw you guys laughing earlier together and chatting or whatever, I'm like, oh, that's Javin, welcome, he's got a Washington home group, you guys just started recently, yeah. right, praise God, man, well, Lord, bless that, amen, praise God, amazing brother, and you look like you're a good friend of his, man. He's got a lot of joy over there with him. That's My new best friend. your new best friend. Amen. Second best friend, because I know Jesus yeah, is definitely right. his best friend. Yeah. So we got to be so careful, Javen. No, I'm just kidding, bro. <laughs> Javen is a man after the Lord's heart, man. He blesses me so much, you know. Uh, and we have a great relationship in Jesus, man. He's good. So Lord, bless your guys' work. But prayer is a huge part of it. Amen. It's a huge part of getting the work of the Lord done. In all of our live stream groups, man, you guys need to make sure you are devoted to prayer. The scriptures say to be devoted to prayer. What does it mean to be devoted to something? You know, it means to just be given over to it. So uh, we have to be in God's will. We can't treat God as some genie that we ask to pop out whenever we're in trouble or whenever we want something. Wow, see how effective riches or, power or powerful God's pr- prayer is? Rich is back right now. Did We just prayed for you, bro. <laughs> John said you thought it, they thought you might have got a heart puncture, so. Glad you walked in here. You okay? Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. How's your son? Thumbs up again. Praise the Lord. Amen. So prayer is effective. I'm sure Rich was out of the hospital another day, so that wasn't some kind of setup, you know, but praise the Lord. It's good to see you, bro. Uh, So we don't want to treat God as some kind of genie, and that's the way the world does it. There's the new spirituality, which is really new ageism, and really it's occultism, Years ago when I was young, I'd go into the bookstores and there would be all these occult books in the occult section. Then they changed it to that new age section, but the same books, same deal. Now it's called the new spirituality. And you know, they have a a popular, probably the most popular video that ever came out. They just made a movie out of it last year. Uh, It's called the secret, you know, and it's about how we are God's. And I don't have time to get into it everything because I was going to do a whole exposé on it. But then I just decided it was becoming passé. I didn't. But, you know, it's, it's based on uh, channeling a bunch of spirits named Abraham, the original teachings that came to that. And it was a collective group of spirits. And the lady said her hands just started typing. And her husband had to drop her hands because they were moving automatically, you know, after she was doing these meditations and stuff. And, and she was hitting her husband in, in bed. And it was not her. It was these spirits. And then she came up with these teachings, which is just old lie. You are God. Back to Genesis, you know, same old lies from the pit. And uh, and then basically the secret, you know. And then she's being interviewed by Oprah Winfrey, and she's wanted to be on Oprah Winfrey's television show. That not her, the other, or actually the lady that first came on. That they weren't unveiling where it came from for most people. And she said, you know, I'm going to ha- want to have you on my TV show, but I'm going to wait because the public's not ready for it yet. It's a con job. What's going on in a lot of television, movies, and so forth? They're just, you know. But the beginning of the video, it shows a, a genie come out of a bottle. That's how it starts. It's about commanding a genie. You know, the idea of prayer is basically commanding God. And that's not prayer. That's an abomination to the Lord. And that's worked its way in to profess Christianity. In fact, much of it. The whole prosperity movement. The false health and wealth gospel that is so popular on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Uh, the most popular Christian television is based on the name claim it, crowds, their group where they say that we are gods, and they twist scriptures. Hey, look, God created the universe with his words. Therefore, we use words, and we can create our own reality, and we're little gods, and we're, since we're made in his image, and you know, there's one God. There can only be one uncreated creator of all things. Amen. And you and I are not him. Amen. Now, it's important that we get this and understand it, because these guys also Treat God like a genie, many of them. In fact, I did a message, and I'm not going to go into the text and how they twist it and everything, but where they take a certain verse, and they say, this means we're supposed to command God. We can actually command him. Benny Hinn, you know, uh, Kenneth Copeland, and I, ref- I show how they're totally taking that scripture out of context. It's not saying command him in the Hebrew. In fact, r- we won't hardly find a translation that says that, uh, and it's not what it means. And they're twisting that, and they're, it's basically witchcraft in the church. In fact, I've got a quote from Benny Hinn and from Kenneth Copeland, two of the leaders of that movement, where they admit or they say that, yeah, a lot of what we do is also in witchcraft. Ah, but but they're, they're, they're taking, they're twisting it. No, you're doing what they're doing. They, what you're doing is not in the scripture. And we have to be careful because that means millions of professed Christians are commanding God and trying to get him to do their will. And then they get frustrated. But most of you aren't caught up, thank God, into that heresy But you can still subtly not recognize that you need to make sure you're kneeled to the Lord, man. Face to the ground. Lord, to glory be to you. Hands to him. Your will be done in my life. Amen? There's no better place you could possibly be in your life than in the center of God's will. Amen? That's where the safety is. That's where the the salvation is. That's where the peace is. That's where the security is. That's where the joy is in the middle of his will. Amen? You want to make sure that's where you are. Okay it's it's critical that we get this that we understand this another reason we don't have answered prayer is because we're not abiding in him we're not we're not abiding in his presence you know like i it's kind of like the idea again of just going to church as a pit stop and we don't we fail to recognize the church is not the building the church is those who are organically tied to Christ, spiritually united to him through faith, amen, who are in the sphere of his spirit, sharing the same spirit with other believers, amen, and under the leadership of the headship of Christ and following his will. And we need to abide in Christ. We need to make sure that we're spending time with him. In fact, go to John chapter 15, the gospel of John chapter 15. Jesus said in verse 1, I am the true vine. This is not long before his crucifixion. I am the true vine. He's the vine of the grapes, right? And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So if you're not bearing fruit, you're not living for the Lord, you're not seeking him, there's not fruit in your life, you don't have the fruit of the spirit, the love, the peace, the joy, because you're not seeking him. If you seek him and you're biting him, you will bear fruit. Okay, that's just an inevitable consequence of seeking him. He'll take you away if you're not bearing fruit. And verse 6 tells you what he'll do with you. It's pretty sad. But if you abide in him, you'll bear much fruit. I love that. Verse 3, you're already clean because the word which I've spoken to you. He's saying this to believers who have been cleansed through his word. Verse 4, abide in me. The Greek word is meno in me. M-E-N-O in the Greek. It's written in the New Testament. It's written in Greek. Meno means to stay, to remain to continue, to abide. Continue, abide in me, and I in you. And the, uh, as he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So it can, uh, So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you could do what? Nothing. We can't do anything of any spiritual significance without him. But thankfully, as Paul said, through him, we could do what? All things. Philippians 4.13. Verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is, now we know he takes it away. But what he does, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So you want to make sure you're abiding him. Amen. Otherwise, we're cut off, broken off, thrown in the fire and burned. And by the way, he's not talking to non-believers here. Are non-believers in Christ? No. Are they branches in Christ? No. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. he old things that passed away, all things become new. These are new creations, branches that are alive for a time that need to abide in him. But if we don't abide, we dry up spiritually. They gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned." He's talking about the judgment of uh, the holy angels when they take not only the, these branches but also the tears. Throw them to the fire. Verse, uh, verse 7. If you abide in me, check this out. I love this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be what? It will be done. Wow. That's amazing. Now, the key there is, Josiah's heart's beating really hard because he's getting excited about this <laughs> message. You can stay here, bro. I'm not sure what that is. Let's, next door? Yeah, probably... Okay, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. And you know, people quote the back, back part of that. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. You know, name it and claim it. No, the context is if you what? Abide, abide in Christ. How do you know if you're abiding in Christ? And he says, and my what? My words, what? Abide in you. So if we're abiding him, it means that his word is abiding in us. We're begotten again. We're born again by the word of God. By the imperishable word. It says we're born again by the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 at the end there. And in 1 Peter 2, we're newborn babes. who have tasted that the, the word of the Lord is good, you know. And we desire that desire as milk. But that we may grow thereby. But it starts off with being born again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we come to Christ. We put our faith in Christ. We're born again. And now guess what? Now we're to abide in his word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Jesus, the Father, Jesus said. Amen. So now we live by his word. Amen. We're saved by grace through faith, but the just shall live by faith, and we continue to live by his word. So as we look at his word, and we read his word, and we study his word, and we hear his word preached, and we share his word with one another, we grow in the atmosphere of his word, and we line our lives with his word, and we walk according to his word. Guess what? We ask, and we pray, and we get it, because we're asking in accordance with his word word. Amen? Prayer is, is not, go, you know, going against God's will. Pray is, prayer is turning to God, seeking him, and turning around and doing his will with his power as he leads us, as we follow him, as he's the shepherd before us, beside of us, behind us. But we have to have his word abiding in us. And that means that we're not, that means that we're praying in accordance with what he says. Well, when he's talking about bearing fruit here, he's talking about winning souls. Amen? Souls, that means you need to be about the father's business and you need to be praying for the lost. You need to be praying, Lord, how can I be a light? Or maybe you're like, man, I'm so busy with my job and everything. Well, how can I be a light there? How can I help those who are involved in missions? How can I use my time, talent, and treasure to get people, uh, the, help get people the gospel, you know? That's a big part of our prayer life or ought to be. And also we have in these passages, well, look, go on to verse 8. My father is glorified by this, that you bear what? Much fruit, and so proved to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. That's one of the that's the fruit of the spirit is love. Is the first thing on the list: peace, joy. So that's also a way you bear fruit in your life. If you're seeking him and you're abiding as well, you're going to grow in a love relationship with him and with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and hopefully you'll get a greater, and greater heart for the lost. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I'm telling you right now, brothers and sisters, there's no greater joy, right, than seeing people get saved. Being saved yourself, but seeing people get saved. And seeing saved people that you know that grow in Christ. To see their growth, you know, it's like seeing a new baby being born into a family. It's so beautiful. And then there's joy after that when you see that baby growing, right? And talking and, and expressing themselves. Not always when they express themselves, but you still love them, you know? But there's just a beauty as they grow in, into who they're supposed to be. And we're all babies, born-again ones, little children in the faith who are growing into spiritual adolescence and spiritual adulthood, needing to be patient with another, one another helping each other grow. Amen? So we need to just walk in that. And it's, it's so rich. It's, it's what God calls us to. A richness in our Christian life is being a tool used by the Lord and being used and filled with the Spirit and seeing other people grow because you're, you've basically surrendered to Christ. And that starts right where you're at, right where you're planted, wherever you're at, in your own home. If you're single, it means, guess what? Paul was single. Jesus was single. Amen? That's an amazing thing if, you, if you're called to a life of, of singleness. Bear radical fruit for the Lord. Seek him because you are in a family. You belong to the family of God. The Bible says the Lord takes the single person puts him in his family, amen? So now you just grow where you're at. You be a light for Jesus and just praise him and live for him, amen? And, and then bless your, your family members around you because you have millions of family members, right? But the ones that you're around in Christ, love them, bless them, encourage them as well as the broader aspect of the body of Christ. If you're in a home uh, and you're married, you you need to make sure you're you're, you're bearing fruit there, that you're living for Jesus, amen, with your wife or your husband or your children, amen, or your parents, whatever the situation might be, that you are fruitful, that that you're just crying out to God, saying, Lord, I want to be in your will. I want to walk in love. That's part of bearing fruit. That's part of abiding in him. Lord, love is emphasized here. Help me to be a loving person. And when you show love in the name of Christ, He will empower you when you pray that prayer. Help me to love more. One of my main prayers that I pray all the time is, Lord, I pray it all the time. Lord, help me love you with my whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. Lord, help me love my neighbor as myself, because Jesus said those are the two greatest commandments. Lord, help me love my wife as Christ loved the church. Lord, help me love my na- not only my neighbor but help me love my enemies, because Jesus commanded me that way as well. Lord, help me love my brothers fervently. Says that in First Peter, love your brothers fervently with a burning heart. Amen. You know why I pray that? Because in my natural self, I can do nothing apart from him, amen? And I can't just rest on some laurels saying, I'm going to be a strong Christian. I've got to crowd to the Lord. I've got to say, Lord, please help me be what you've called me to be, amen? And Lord, help me be patient with whoever's banging something over there. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, man. Never heard that before. It's our new neighbors, amen? Well, you ever have new neighbors? You just got to adjust sometimes, you know. I've dealt with, uh, praise God, we have neighbors on both sides of us, you know. My neighbor yesterday, I come home with some of the grandkids, and my wife's like, our neighbor just brought us some fish that he just caught. Mark's not helping. <laughs> it's because the door's open over there, it's even louder. Lord, help Mark be with him make him swift. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) So uh, they brought, the guy shows Lisa a picture of him pulling up this fish off the shores of San Diego. She goes, you know what's in the fridge? She goes, a bunch of bluefin, raw bluefin. Wow, man. Mm. Yeah, it was good. (laughs) No, it's not all gone. I got to make sure I eat the rest today sometime. Uh, Josiah was having it like at midnight last night. You know, I grabbed one strip from him because I had some earlier. But God is so good, but sometimes, uh, Lord, bless our new neighbors. Help them to know Jesus in your son's name. So it's, uh, you know, we have, and why do you have to pray? You have to pray because things aren't easy. We live in a fallen world. Sometimes you have noisy neighbors, you know. Sometimes they make a racket, right? And they don't mean bad sometimes, but you just have to pray. And sometimes it's not about changing your neighbor. It's about adjusting. So next week, you know, maybe we all have these, you know, headphones on. Hopefully not, right? No, we should, we should, we should be, you know, you, 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 but you walk in love. But you need to address things. And how many of you have a situation with a neighbor? And the first thing you do is get upset instead of pray, And instead of, uh, you know, enlisting the power of the Lord through prayer and say, Lord, help me, you've allowed this trial in my life because I've got this situation that I'm facing, you know. Uh, you just get in the flesh. I can't believe they did that. Who do they think they are? Well, you have to keep in mind, people don't know Jesus right? And a lot of them are in Romans 7. They have some kind of code of ethics, right? Sometimes they even have God's law, like Romans 7. And the things they want to do, they don't do. And the things they don't want to do, they do. And that's the way the world is. They have a lot of people are just, you know, off. And we can't expect those who don't know Jesus to be Christ-like. And then we get angry and upset. It's like, they need to be saved. Love them. Pray for them. Amen? You know, our work, partners at work, you know, people you work with. Pray for them, love them, show them Christ. You can bear fruit wherever you're at in whatever circumstances you're in because God gives us a way to, to do that in circumstances. Somebody might reject you, but still you've sown the word of truth. You've been the light, amen? And that's when we testimony against them Sadly, on the day of judgment if they don't repent. So we, we always get the, the joy of knowing that we can be in his will and be fruitful in one way or another. Now, another reason we fail and go to John 14, is because we failed to pray in his name. John 14, verse 13. John 14, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Notice that prayer is so often tied to love and obeying his commandments. But notice you get whatever you wish when you pray in accordance with his name. So some people think that that's like just, you know, a password, you know, or it's just, you know, just use the name of Jesus and it's a, a magic button, you know, boom, and things will happen. That's the way people treat his name because these verses have been so abused. But if you look at the context of what it means to pray in his name, it's like saying if you pray according to my what? Will. Because biblically, names, unlike today, a lot of times we pick names because they just sound good, Okay. But biblically, when they chose names so often, the name was tied to who the person was thought to be or to represent the person. It reflected the person, you know, with Isaac, you know, and laughter, you know. Abraham, Abraham, changed his name to Abraham, the father of many nations, right? Father of many. Uh, So, but the name of Jesus, Yeshua, is the Hebrew name from Yahweh, right? And salvation means God is salvation, and we're praying in his name, we recognize that he is holy, holy, holy. And that we're praying consistently with who he is. That's what it means. When you pray in his name, you're praying consistently with who he is. So if some man says, you know, you know you know what, Lord, I, you know what? I want five wives, which is not wise, by the way. I would say one wife can be tough enough. I love my wife. She's awesome. But can you imagine, I mean, being married to... It causes problems. Look at, look at Jacob, married to Leah and, you know what the other one's name, right? Rachel, right? And he actually wanted Rachel, but he ends up marrying Leah. But then at, in the end, he ends up getting buried next to Leah. And Rachel was an idolater and God had different plans and so forth. You know, uh, it's just amazing because people think that this is God's, or this is what I want. That's what I, and they just use the name of Jesus. And there's all kinds of bigamists and polygamists right now in our country, and it's a growing phenomenon, right? And many of them claim to be people of prayer in the name of Jesus, and you have all kinds of people doing all kinds of weird things in the name of Jesus, but they're not praying consistently. When you pray consistently with who he is, is and what his will is, you're going to have it. Why? Because it's his what? His will. Amen? Because it glorifies him. And if you're praying for his will and In the name of Jesus, your will be done, Father. Let's go forward, Lord. Let's let's make this happen, Father. And it doesn't happen. Don't get upset. Why would you get upset? Because after all, weren't you supposed to be praying for his will? And if it didn't happen, evidently it wasn't his will. So that's why we should never get upset when a prayer doesn't get answered. Why? Because doesn't that make total sense? That right there should be so liberating for you. Because if you're really praying for his will, you want his will. If something doesn't happen the way you want it to, you get upset, what you're doing is you're saying you really didn't want his will, you wanted yours. That right there might be one of the most liberating things you hear today because that way you don't get all pent up and get upset because are you really about your will or his will? And that lets you know whether you really want his will or your will in your life. Now, sometimes you're like, this has to be God's will. Well, it says it's his will that all would be saved. Yes, it's his will that all would be saved and that all would come to repentance But he has also given man free will to reject his first will for him. Man can't reject his consequent will. His antecedent will is that he wills that all will be saved. But in his sovereignty, he he has a consequent will to his antecedent will. His consequent will is if you reject his will to be saved and you refuse to repent, well, then it's not his first will for you, but then he has to allow And he will now because he's God. And uh, you're going to be judged. You know, he came in the world. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. But then it goes on to say, he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him, what? May be saved. So that's his heart. But if you reject it, you reject it to your own folly. So we need to make sure we're praying in his name. That's another way of saying uh, we pray according as well, there's all kinds of people doing wicked things in Jesus' name. The Roman Catholics with the Crusades, you know, the Inquisitions, you know, the Catholic Inquisition, many, many Christians were killed during those times. There's the KKK, they'll have crosses and they'll, they'll you know, burn crosses. What a wicked thing to do, you know. And they're racist and, and they'll pray in the name of Jesus. They don't know anything about Jesus. And they're in huge judgment. So you have all kinds of cultic-type groups that use the name of Jesus for their own will. You want to make sure you pray in, in accordance with his will. Another thing we don't do, we fail. So kind of it's not what not to do, but I'm always giving you the reverse, what we need to do. So it's really what we need to do. Okay, this is the pitfall. This is the, this is the big old chasm. This is the big old hole in the, in the ground that you're going to run your car into. And this is how you get around it so you can stay on the straight and narrow. And have success and, and make progress in your journey with the Lord. Uh, we need to pray or ask in faith. We need to ask in faith. Hebrews eleven six, 6. And you don't have to go there. If you're going to go somewhere, go to James 1. But I'll read Hebrews eleven six. 6. But go to James 1, 5. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this. And without faith, it's what? Impossible to please him. You need to walk in faith. You need to pray in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to him who comes to God must believe that he is, he must believe that he exists, obviously, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You could translate that as a, in, in a, uh, King James says, who diligently seek him. When you seek with all your heart, right? I'll reveal myself to you, he tells Jeremiah. So, uh, brothers and sisters, it, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you must come to him in faith. And what does it mean to come in faith? It means not just that you believe that he exists, James says that's the faith of demons. Even demons believe and tremble. Satan's smart enough to know that God exists, okay? He knows it experientially that God exists. He can look at the creation and say, yeah, this, you'd have to be, you know, just check your brain at the door to look at creation and say that God doesn't exist. The demons believe and tremble. But you know what? They don't come to him in faith and seek him as one who is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you, might, you can't just believe that he exists. You have to believe that he is a good God, that he is benevolent, that he created you and loves you and wants to bless you. That's why understanding who God is and his attributes and the fact that God is love and that there's no, no shadow of turning in him is imperative for our prayer life because if we don't believe that Jesus, we think Jesus may not have died for me, you know, because we have this strong reformed deterministic view, it's hard to go to him in prayer, you know, I talked to, you know, I've counseled people in, in Calvinism who say they're, or encourage them, who say their, their prayer life is jacked up because they don't know if God loves them or Jesus died for them, you know. And we dealt with some of, not that specific thing, but in our podcast, that'll be airing, oh, actually it was live. We just did a live one. And a Calvinist came on and wanted help because, uh, but it was also putting out their viewpoint. But they said they don't know if they're saved because they don't know that if God's, elected them or not, we can know you have to come to be able to come to the Lord and know that he loves you and know that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Not certain people that he picked out to seek him, but whosoever will may come. He's not partial. So you need to get your brain around the fact that God is not partial, that he, God exists. He's not partial. He loves you. He gave his son for you and he invites you to come to him in prayer. Amen. And he wants you to. You need to understand his character. You need to come in faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can I build my faith? By reading God's word. By getting to know the Lord better. Your faith grows by spending time in his word and abiding in him. Then you know his will. Then you ask according to his will. Then all of a sudden you're like, wow, God's moving in my life. Yeah, guess why? Because guess what? You got in the flow of his will. Because God is already moving. God's already moving. He's shaking the earth. He's shaking up. He's moving all over the place. He's moving. But if you're over here doing your own thing and you're praying and you're not in his will, you're not going to get the answers to your prayers. But if you step in his will, whoa, what's going on in my life? Well, guess what? Now you're interested in his will. Now you're interested in seeing souls saved. Now you're interested in his name being proclaimed. Now you're interested in, in loving people and showing what it means to know Jesus. Amen? So all of a sudden your prayers are getting answered more. And, and that's what life is about in Christ. Are you with me today? James chapter one, verse five, James one, five. And this is another aspect about making sure that we're praying in accordance with his will. In James one, verse five, we read this. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach. He gives to who? Some, all. He offers it to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. But he must ask in what? He must ask in faith. Faith, a good synonym for faith that I love to use is trust. It's trust. Because it's been turned into a force. So sometimes I like, I go to the word trust to help people understand. Faith means to trust. It means to lean into the Lord, right? It means to trust your life to him. And and not walk in your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight, amen? To, To just lean on him and not on your own understanding. And it says we must Ask in faith, verse 6, without what? Without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive what? Anything from the Lord. That's why prayer goes in the answer, because people aren't praying in faith. Being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. In other words, what brings doubt? When you're double-minded, when you're like, do I really want to surrender to your will or do I want to do my will? Oh yeah, so one moment you're like, yeah, you've been in church, you're all fired up, you hear this message, I'm like I need to pray more, I'm gonna seek the Lord more, and I need to be at his will. Three days come around and you're just thinking to yourself, hey, I, I was praying, how come my prayers aren't being answered? Because now you're being double-minded, you're thinking, what can I, how can I live for myself? Just be every day, wake up and take up your cross and follow him, amen? And, and watch his hand at work and trust him, and you'll be tested in the midst of that too. To persevere and to be diligent. It's very, very critical that we walk in faith and that we're not double minded. So you can actually put two there prayer's not answered because people don't pray in faith, or, and, and also they don't get answered prayer because they're double minded. Okay? Uh, we don't get prayer answered tom- sometimes because what we ask for is just not good for us. It's just, it's just not good for us. It's not that God isn't good. It's what we ask for isn't good for us. I said earlier in my message, I had a bunch of my grandchildren over this weekend and we had them for a few days because Holly and Chad are in Mexico. Uh, Chad's preaching at Jonathan's Fellowship while Jonathan's on the road. And a couple of the brothers have, been, have done some rotation over there. And uh, at Bless Hope, Mexico. And uh, it's, been a, it's been beautiful. You know, I've been busy, you know, juggling everything, but trying to make sure I spend time with them, love them. And, but you know what you hear? You know? Aria, pop up, you said you'd give me candy. You'd give me some candy, you know? And her, her brothers, you know, aren't supposed to be having candy right now or anything sweet, you know? So I'm like, how do I pull this off, you know? So I give her a little piece of watermelon, hard candy, you know, Jolly, what is it, Jolly Ranchers? Those are really good, by the way. You know, you, wanna, you have a, a hankering for something sweet, you can just do a hard piece of candy. Uh, and I, I give that to her, and I'm like, just like, Kind of like this. Hopefully she gets it, you know, kind of keep it down, you know. But yesterday it's like, you know, they, you know, they want things, you know. What do kids want? They want candy. They want milkshakes. They want, if they don't get it, they don't think you love them. No, you love them, but you don't want to ruin their teeth. You don't want to ruin their, 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 them physically, amen. You care about them, but you don't want to ruin them, so you can't give them candy all the time. And I'm not one of those who believes that parents are for spoiling grandchildren. I mean, Grandparents. Because I believe that can, that, if you do that all the time, you know, that ain't, that's jacked up too. So I, I so, you know, yesterday I, we had like in the neighborhood that I live in, there was like uh, garage sales all over the place. It was garage sale weekend, I guess, you know, and we haven't had, they haven't had it for two years, you know, because of COVID. So I said, you know what, I'll take you guys out for uh, took a couple of them out, the older ones out and hit some garage sales and get something for you. That's not candy, right? So that's cool, man. Cause you can go and see like an old scooter give pay for a bu- I think I paid five, but you could pay a buck for, some- I paid a buck for certain things, like flags, a, a thing of flags for, I got each kid something, and the kids that didn't show up, I got something for. I'm like, man, I got away with like less than 25 bucks, and I blessed all the grandchildren, including Russ, who's coming over later, you know, but what am I doing? I'm thinking, what's best for them? How could I still bless them without hurting them, amen? And God is good, therefore, when we seek him, he doesn't give us what we ask for if it's bad for us unless, it's some, unless we're going to learn from it. Like with, when, they, when he, they kept crying for a king and he didn't want, he said, I'm your king. And then finally he said, okay, he gave them King Saul. He answered that prayer. Taught him a huge lesson. Then he gave him a king after his own heart as a picture of who he was and the fact that Messiah would sit on the throne of David and come through the Davidic line, the king of kings and lord of lords. There's a lot going on there. But God... Be thankful for the times God does not answer your prayers because he wants to bless you. He loves you. He cares for you. So he withholds things often from us because he doesn't want us to be hurt. In fact, listen to Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. You can go there too if you want. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it is opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf or some bread, will will, will this... uh, We'll give him a stone instead. Or if we ask for a fish, you'll, not give, him, you'll give him a snake. He won't give him a snake, will he? No, not a, not a loving dad. If you then, being evil, disciples, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the, your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? So you might be thinking that you're asking for a piece of fish or you're asking for some, a loaf of bread when you're asking for something, but he knows it's a stone, it's a serpent, it's a scorpion or something. He knows it's not going to bless you in the long run. You might have immediate satisfaction from that answered prayer or you might have a plan and think, hey, this is going to work it out. But he knows what's good for you. I mean, do you think God knows better than we do? Come on now. Made the universe. We have a hard time getting dressed in the morning on time, right? For church. So we need to pray and recognize that sometimes God says no because it's just not good for us. Another thing, he doesn't answer prayer when we have sin in our hearts. When we have sin in our hearts. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen 18 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So if I'm regarding wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. That's heavy, guys. Because there's many, many professing Christians who are living a life of sin. And then they say a prayer. Then they get frustrated with God. Why is he not answering my prayer? And they're not repenting of sin. They're not turning from sin. That word regard, it could be trans. But you know what? <laughs> I was kind of interesting. Last night when I was, talking, I was talking to Eli and the other kids had fallen asleep, and, and uh, Eli was asking me about my favorite colors. and He asked me, he goes, Papa, what's your second favorite color? I'm like, my second? I never heard that question, you know. I go, why my second, not my first? I just want to know your second, <laughs> you know. And uh, I told him my first anyway, but uh, when it, and I said, but my second is. and I had to think about that a bit. You know, I never really think of my second favorite color. So I was like, that's a great question. And he says, my favorite color is gold. You know, and we started talking about colors and how they're used in the world. And I go, gold. No, most people don't say gold. I go, that's interesting, because the Lord uses gold at times, and it's a precious metal. And we talked about that. And he's like, you know, and he says, I don't think God cherishes gold. And I said he doesn't cherish gold. And I thought it was interesting. That I used that word, cherish. I said, you know what the word cherish means? He goes, what does cherish mean? I go, it means to value something. You know, to to, to put value to, uh, to to cherish something, to, to value something, to have an affection for it. You know, and, and, and it's valuable to you. And uh, he and I started telling him. I said. You know, because the sky is blue, he said, you know, and the ocean we talked about is blue, and he makes so much blue, he must really regard or cherish blue, you know? I go, yeah, well, we don't know how he sees things, but for us, he's made a lot of things blue. He's made a lot of things green. I go, there's an emerald rainbow around his throne, and that's green, and green on our planet's picture of life. And I go, so green, I go, but you know what? You know what the streets are made of in heaven? They're made of gold. So he may be seeing more gold in heaven than blue. I don't know. You know, but a great talk. But I, I thought it was interesting that he used the word cherish because I just thought it was fascinating. Because as I, pre- I prepared for the study, listen to how the NIV translates the same verse instead of regard and the ESV. The NIV says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Okay, uh, and that's the ESV. Uh, the NIV says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, it says sin instead of iniquity, the Lord would have not listen, or would not listen, same thing, basically, cherished. And I think that's a better word to be re- used than regard. Regard doesn't mean, regard, you can regard something to a degree, but cherish is something that you're in love with, that you value. And that's the idea there. If you're putting sin before God, and you love your sin more than you love God, and you wanted this life of sin, and you're saying, shine you, God, I'm doing my own thing, holding that sin. Then you say a prayer, he's not going to listen to you. Amen? Because Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. You either love the one and hate the other. You hate the one and love the other. Matthew 6 or 624. You can't have two masters. And sin is not to be mastering us, Romans chapter 6, amen? We're not to allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. We're to overcome sin. Doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect, but it does mean that sin, when you fall short, is gonna be the exception and not the rule in your life, amen? And that's important that we get that. So it's imperative that we abstain from sin and a life of sin, okay? And you fall short of God's glory, what do you do? If you confess your sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So if you're in sin, the first prayer you need to do, get, get busy with, one of the, and I'm not saying you have to always pray right away, because the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, comes a little bit further into the prayer. Okay, so it'd be legalistic to say the first thing you have to do is pray for forgiveness of sins. Then you can pray. I can't say that because the Lord's Prayer, that's like the third thing mentioned after your name be hallowed, you know, uh, and actually fourth thing, that kingdom come, give us his day our daily bread. Then it's forgive us our sins, right? So, but you need to make sure you get right with God. And that means when you're coming to God, he knows you're coming to get right with him because that's part of your prayer. Proverbs chapter 15, verse eight says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. Proverbs 21.13 says, whoever stops his ears to the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Wow. John 9.31 says, we know that God does not hear the sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. And that reflects uh, the understanding that Jesus they had in Jesus' day, and that reflects the scriptures, like I mentioned, Psalm 66:18. Another reason we don't get answered prayer is because we have wrong motives. James four, you want to go there, James chapter four, verse one: What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Then verse 3 says, you ask and do not receive. Ooh, here it is, man. It's saying another reason prayer is not answered. You ask and do not receive because you what? You ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So if my motives are to please myself and live for myself and I just use God as my sidekick that, you know, makes me feel better about myself and doing my own thing and I'm just living for my pleasures, you know, then I'm in rebellion to God and my prayers are not being heard, they're not being answered. In fact, they're not only not being answered, I'm in trouble with God because I'm a spiritual adulteress because I'm supposed to be the bride of Christ and I'm living for the world and loving the world more than him. Don't love the world more than Jesus, man. Don't make it about... Money. Don't make it about material things. Don't make it about lust and your pleasures. Don't make it about your anger and your malice toward others and unforgiveness. Don't make it about fame and your own name. Don't make it about any of those things. Make it about Jesus. Make sure your life is about the Lord. So often we pray with selfish motives. You know, it's like the person. Well, you know what? God doesn't answer my prayer. What? What what have you been praying? Man, I pray all the time that I win the lottery. He still hasn't done it for me. That's that's how people sometimes think. They don't say it usually. They probably wouldn't admit that but a lot of people pray to win the lottery and they get disappointed that they're not winning the lottery. Another time that prayer is not answered is when we're inconsiderate to our wives and others or spouses. Remember in 1 Peter chapter 3, you can go there because it's to your right. It's easy to get to chapter 3, verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. The Bible elevates women. You know, they were considered chattel there. They were considered, you know, just, but here you're supposed to consider your wife in the first century, 2,000 years ago. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave him so for her. Lay your life down for your wife in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Here in 3, 7, honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. She's, she's a fellow heir of the grace of life with you so that your prayers will not be what? So your prayers will not be hindered. Wow. Look at verse Nine, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. Say your wife's being mean-spirited. Don't return evil for evil. But giving a blessing instead for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life, verse 10, to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer, and his ears attend to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Context there, if you're married and your couple that your spouse is not in a good place and they're they're being not right toward you, don't return evil for evil. Pray for them and love them. And recognize that you would hope that God and your wife would, or husband, depending on who it is, would be Patient with you when you get off because we've all been off at times where we struggle. Amen? So you want to be patient with them. Uh, Because if you're mean spirited back and then you go pray and you continue to be mean spirited, you're not going to get your prayers in. You're not going to get past the uh, ceiling, man. It's like I said before the FAA, right? The Federal Aviation Association, they go and check out planes. And they have to check, thankfully, they check out those planes. Are you glad? Before they let them fly. And they don't let them fly if they're not good. Amen? Well, if your heart's not right, your prayers aren't going to fly. God checks out your heart. If your heart, heart's messed up to your spouse and you're mean spirit and you're not thankful that you've been saved by grace, you know, extend that grace to her or him, your prayers will be hindered. God's timing. God's timing. God's timing is huge. So sometimes God's not saying yes or no. Sometimes God's just saying, wait, amen. The Israelites were praying, crying out to God, deliver us for anything, get delivered for 400 years. Because God's timing was wait until the, uh, the fullness of wickedness has full up its fullest measure. In the book of Genesis, when God gives the land of Canaan, the promised land to Abraham, they had to wait 400 years until it came. Until they escaped Egypt and God humbled them. And they humbled them longer in the wilderness. Not longer than the 400 years, but even more time for 40 years. Jeremiah, they're in Babylon because they're rebelling against God. And they're there 70 years. And it's, time's finally up. Daniel understood the Lord's timing. So you have to be mature and recognize God has timing. Simeon and Anna were waiting for the consolation of the Messiah, the consolation of Israel to come. And Anna got to hold baby Jesus. She's waiting, and guess what? In Galatians it says, in the fullness of time, the Son of God was born. There's, God has timing about what he does things. And sometimes we want our timing to be his timing, but it's not best. It's not best. We, we need to submit to the Lord's timing. Amen? Sometimes we don't get answered prayer because We're not persistent. We're not persistent. You know, my children have gotten a lot of things for me by being persistent. Any parents can rely, relate to that one? Grandchildren too, by being persistent. They just tell me one thing, and it's kind of a strong request, but it's, then they'll ever mention it again, and it's not a big deal. And then, you know, then it's not really a big deal to them a lot of times. But if it's a big deal to them, I'll consider it, you know. It matters. And we have that in Luke 11 and Luke 18. One time when the guy comes and he says to he comes like at midnight or something, I've got got a visitor here, man. Get up and give me some bread. I'm sleeping. I'm laying in bed. My family's all crashed. And he's like, open up. And he's like, and because he wouldn't stop knocking, he finally gave him some bread. And Jesus said, that's how we ought to be in prayer. How much more, he said, will your Father in heaven give you when you seek him? And in Luke 18, chapters later, verse 1, it, it, Jesus talks about a widow who was being mistreated who went to a judge, and the judge didn't fear God or man. and But she persistently went because he'd care less because she was being attacked by someone, and she or, uh, an unrelenting uh, dude was just on her back. And finally, the judge, because she wore him out, finally did something about it. And the idea there, again, is how much more was God? Well, God, because he's good, avenged you as his elect. And Jesus gave that, chapter 18, verse 1, you know, when it opens up with that. Just before that parable said, it says Jesus said these things so that people would know, so that they, his disciples, so that we would know that they ought to always pray and not give up. That's a huge lesson. Be persistent in your prayer because sometimes something is in God's will, but God's will is multifaceted. At times we don't understand it, and there's some things that He'll grant that are within the purview of His will that He might not grant if you're not persistent. One of the most blessed answers or things that we don't often get uh, answered to prayer is because he has something far better for us. I love that. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that you ask or think. Now think about that. Sometimes he has something far better than what you're praying for. So it's wait. No, not yet. Or wait, I have something better for you. You're shortchanging what I have for you. Listen to this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Praise God. One prayer he always answers because it's according to his will because he wills that all be saved and come to knowledge of the truth is in Romans chapter 10. Whoever calls Upon the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. If you're like, man, I don't even have a prayer life because I'm not saved, and I have sin in my heart, and I want to get right with God. Well, understand, He loves you. And guess what? We're all sinners. We've all blown it. Amen. We all need to be saved if we're not saved. Amen. But you need to recognize that God so loved you that the greatest provision He ever gave for you was before you even existed, before you could even say a prayer. And that is when He sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins. Amen knowing that you would follow this and knowing that you'd be here in the year 2021, knowing that you would be listening by, uh, by live stream or visiting today or, or hearing through a message or maybe you've been here for some time. And he knew that what you need, he knows, Jesus said he knows our need before we even pray, amen? And he knew that need while we were still sinners, it says, while we were helpless, God sent his son in the world, amen? He didn't spare his son, but he gave him for us and he paid for everything on the cross that you did against God. Every sin that you've ever committed in your life, Jesus paid for, amen? And he died and he paid for that. He paid your fine, he rose again. So if you call upon him in faith and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, all the sins that are against you that will damn you on judgment day are forgiven. And Jesus is a bridge to the Father. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, amen? And you'll be saved through coming to the Father through forgiveness that comes through what Jesus did on the cross, amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't received the forgiveness of Christ, do it now. He rose again. He's coming back again. Amen. Maranatha, Lord Jesus is returning. So put your trust in him. One last thing, which I really didn't have time to get into, but it kind of ties to stuff I did get into, is Jesus said to pray, forgive us our sins as we what? Forgive those who sin against us. And he gave further commentary on that part of the prayer right after he said that in Matthew chapter 6, around verse 14. He says, for if you forgive your brother from your heart, you'll be forgiven. But if you don't forgive your brother from your heart, or if you don't forgive your brother, the Lord won't forgive you. You can't walk around thanking God for his grace and saving you, but not wanting to extend grace to others. Because if we refuse to forgive others, that's not walking the faith. That's not the fruit of faith. The fruit of faith is to Extend forgiveness as he's forgiven us. So some people, they're saying, man, I'm doing all these things here, but you refuse to forgive someone. You have a heart of forgiveness toward people, amen? Doesn't mean that if someone's wickedly wicked toward you and they refuse to repent, that you just walk hand in hand with them, but it means you have a disposition, a heart of forgiveness toward them, extending love toward them, amen? So they have the potential to be reconciled if they do repent, Amen. God wants us to have hearts of forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Can we all stand up? We're gonna pass out the cup and the bread in remembrance of his great forgiveness for us. Amen.